Hello everyone and welcome to Discussing Trek. Today we are reviewing Star Trek Prodigy Episode 3, Starstruck. Like always, I'm your host Clarence and I'm joined by my fellow co-host slash Trekkie, Jonathan Shores. How are you doing, man? I am doing well, man. Doing well. I am enjoying this cool weather and an earlier night. It means I actually, for some reason, I go to sleep earlier. Mm. I don't know. Just weird. But anyway, enjoying the cool weather, man. And out here in the Delta Flyer, ready to talk about another episode of Prodigy. It, it went from cool to downright cold a couple of nights. But, you know, we're back in the 60s and 70s. So that's 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 where I like to live. Where, where, what, what would you consider downright cold? Well, cold for now. I know you get used to it over time, but it got in the 40s a couple of nights, I believe, which is not bad at all. But I'm spoiled. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, it got 40 here, but that yeah. <laughs> call me when it snows. That's what I want. <laughs> Actually, don't call me when it snows. <laughs> I don't want to know. About it. <laughs> Let's hope that never happens. But what we do here on this podcast is review each and every episode of Star Trek in somewhat excessive detail. In addition to talking all things Trek, like we always say, please leave a review, like and subscribe on whatever podcasting platform you're currently listening on. And we're going to get right into our review of Star Trek Prodigy Starstruck. Starstruck is the third episode of Star Trek Prodigy Season 1. The episode was written by Chad Quant and was directed by Alan Wan. Even with the guidance of their hologram advisor, Janeway, the crew of the USS Protostar is tested when their ship is on a dangerous cosmic collision course. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand to battle station. What gives you the right? You cannot destroy an idea. At ease before you sprain something. So, John, you know, we don't have Cal Jones for our normal beats of the episode, but I'm going to go to you and say, what is your high level opinion of this episode before we get into some of the details? Um, hmm. I hate to keep harping on Lower Decks, but like after Lower Decks, everything is better. Right. <laughs> it, that's true. If that's the uh, measure, the vomit we're using for this. Yeah, <laughs> it's I I did enjoy this episode, uh, but it was very much, in my opinion, a filler, maybe a character building session, but not bad. They they did well. They did well. You know, and I kind of think maybe, you know, this kind of the route maybe Lord Dex could have gone you know, make, give us a really good one, then maybe not. And then a really good one, then maybe not. And then somewhat good. Maybe, you know, Lordex just saved it all for the last. And then so it, it, a filler episode. That's the best I can describe it. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, as I mentioned to you before we started the show, I also was on Tasha Pierce's After the Snap YouTube channel to discuss this episode on this past Sunday. You guys should definitely go check that out after the snap on YouTube to see the video. But I actually have the same exact opinion that you had about this feeling like a filler episode. <laughs> it, it, it really did in a lot of ways, because, of course, we do have a problem that we solve in this episode, but it doesn't really advance the story in that sense. Right. Right. It's a. And, but to their credit, it doesn't drag out. You know, sometimes, sometimes shows and not, not just Star Trek, but like in a lot of shows, like the filler episodes, sometimes will just drag out and like just be hard to watch. And that was not this. Yeah. 
and, and, and again, filler in the sense that I don't think it really advanced the overall arc of the season. But uh, I, I'm, again, I mentioned in, in Tasha's show that it seems like in, in Kate McGrew has even mentioned this in talking about the show. And, and even though there's a YouTube video where she's doing exactly what I'm about to say, but she expressed the show or expressed her reasons for coming back to the show to be able to foster a new generation of science, science and space geeks and, and Trekkies. And, and, and if you hearken back to the olden days of the eighties and nineties <laughs> <laughs> to shows like GI Joe or he man, or take your pick, almost all of them did this, but you'd always have your little, um, and knowing is half the battle thing at the end of the episode. You yeah, know? yeah, the philosophical education. Yeah, <laughs> you know, sort sort of still it's that nugget or message that we get from normal Star Trek episodes, but maybe in these episodes they're going to try to make it a little more spelled out for the, right. the younger audience. Kind of Captain Planet ish. <laughs> the power is yours. <laughs> oh, poor heart guy. He just never did. <laughs> oh, and, it, and by the way, if you haven't seen the Don Cheadle Captain Planet skit for Funny or Die, you definitely need to go seek it out. It's hilarious. I have not, but I will. <laughs> that sounds like that's hilarious. Yeah, you, you're in for some entertainment, sir. <laughs> But very much in this episode, we have, uh, well, first, let me mention a little bit of Arata from the last podcast. I mentioned that the Federation would never send a a Starfleet vessel to the Delta Quadrant unmanned, you know, because they value their technology. But of course, they did it with the USS Prometheus. All right. And Voyager. So it's, it's, it's something that they've done before. But again, I, I think there's a lot more to why this ship is here in the Delta Quadrant. And I can't wait to hear more of that story, actually. And it kind of shot holes in my theory. Like, I thought maybe they had purposely put the Protostar here to maybe help these people off the planet if they ever found the wheel in the way. But I mean, it's obvious from the Janeway hologram that this is not meant to be there. Maybe it was a prototype gone wrong now. It does seem as if she was expecting a certain level of crew to be manning it once it got there. I mean, she's right. there to assist the crew. Obviously, these guys are not the crew, the, the crew that, <laughs> that's meant to be there. But she was she's there to assist a crew. So did some other ship come to the Delta Quadrant and get stranded that the Protostar is getting sent back to save? I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm really thinking it may be a prototype. Like it's just a lot of things. And for refresh my memory, what do we know? Uh, like a kind of general idea of a timeline. I mean, it's obviously after Voyager returned home. <laughs> but it's how far? Because the 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 reason I ask the technology on the Protostar seems a lot more advanced than even Voyager. Yeah, I mean, again, if you get to the technology of the Prometheus at even during the Voyager time frame, that was more advanced and much more advanced than Voyager. And Voyager was kind of the cream of the crop at the time right. it launched. So I kind of see this being right after or maybe five to 10 years after Voyager gets back, possibly, maybe. Hmm. But I don't think there's a definitive answer for that right now. If they're if they do this right, like if they're good, 
they could make a tie in here that will just blow me away. I mean, it's it's something and I'm, I feel like I'm missing something like there must have been a reason why Starfleet needed to get back to the Delta Quadrant for whatever reason. I don't know. Yeah, we ran into that Federation ship that was hunting the uh, aliens. Oh, yeah. They, they, that they, came they, out of subspace. But I think they blew up. Right. Yeah. Uh, that was. Oh, man. I can't think of the name of the ship. But it was an intrepid class as well, wasn't it? Right, it was. So how did it did it get there by the um oh man I'm the caretaker? Yeah. Did the caretaker send that one there as well? I don't remember. Yeah, I forget. I'm how drawing it got a there. blank on that. I really am. But like I, I think and maybe if I'm not mistaken, there was another federation or maybe it was there was a clean on ship or I don't know. There was a one the only other um Alpha slash beta quadrant ship. I know being there was the other than those that have been drifting for years and years. I know that the Ferengi ship got there through a wormhole. Oh, yeah. But they trapped them back, didn't they? They took them back and trapped them or they didn't refuse to leave. Or Yeah, they, somehow they got them away from the planet. They were taking over right. at the time. <laughs> but that act, the episode was actually set up in, in the TNG episode, which is pretty cool as well. But yeah. On this, on the, I want to talk about hologram Janeway, but let's, you mentioned the technology. Now, I do like in this episode that we got to see a lot more of the protostar. While on the outside, the protostar to me looks a lot like a Abrams ship, but in the inside, <laughs> in the inside, it looks a lot like Discovery to me. Yeah, with the like flat panel touch screen type. Yeah. The holographic controls and even the corridors, the way they're styled, yeah. I think look a lot like Discovery. I don't, I don't, yeah, it, and I guess that's where I'm getting. Like, it seems like a prototype ship because it's. I mean, even the weapons were, and maybe I mean I'm the tricky here, but I don't really remember a ship that had like auto targeting that mm, advanced. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, and, and and for for that matter, Discovery was a prototype. Um, True. Discovery, and I forget what the other name of the its sister ship was, but but that was a prototype ship at the time. So hmm. maybe they have a a a, 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 a mushroom drive. <laughs> well, well, uh, yeah, we're gonna talk, get to that. Let's, let's talk about engineering because <laughs> two warp cores. What is it? A backup system, or is there some advanced <laughs> flight going on here? So I mean, I don't know if it was necessarily two. Well, they said specifically two. And well, I mean, he said the the Tellerite said two, but I think he's just an idiot, right? Like, no, Jockum Pog is is an engineer to marvel for. He's, he's <laughs> yeah. He's, until he's you pretty... get to a Federation ship, like, <laughs> 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 like, I mean, the whole time he fixed things, he was just like banging on crap, like. <laughs> But I mean, it's a possibility that that is a like a weird configuration of uh, engineering and a warp engine. Now, I don't know. It kind of look so, you know, it had the glowing thing in the center. Yes. The thing that zero was talking about. Like, what is this? Now, either that could be something super experimental or it's just actually the warp core and we just don't know about it. So if you think back to like on TNG and Voyager, when you get a glimpse of the warp core, like it's always that little circular chamber window. Yeah. yeah. That, that's the dilithium chamber and it's usually glowing and maybe that's it. And they're just, they just don't know what it is. Or maybe it is indeed two warp engines. I would have a hard time thinking that he wouldn't, he 
like I would assume he could at least recognize a warp engine. Yeah. And if he recognized two, then maybe it's a spore drive. It, it, you know what? It seems like that's going to be something we could explore throughout the rest of this season. So, yeah, I just found it really fascinating. I really have no idea what it is. I do think the two warp cores can kind of be like redundancy because in most systems you have a failover, you know, and since we know this is a long distance travel ship, maybe once, you know, it overheats or I'm sure it doesn't overheat, yeah. but <laughs> it, it overheats. Yeah. It overheats. They have to eject it. And yeah. That would benefit them to have a second one so they can fail over and keep going, you know, 100 percent all the time, maybe. So I, I found that very interesting. So that right there had me very intrigued. And um, for that matter, I think another piece of tech in the ship that I found really fascinating was the vehicle replicator. Yeah, that was cool. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, what it was cool. But yeah, I think that's a pitiful Stretch. All they gotta do is make it bigger. I mean, what's wrong with making it bigger to be a vehicle replicator? Now, I will say them fighting uh, while it's replicating, <laughs> it seems like that should be a fail safe to where it just stops automatically. You got you got Gwen and Rock Talk just going to town while it's building this thing around them. <laughs> that was very unbelievable, but I thought it was a cool idea, man. You yeah, know. I guess uh, I guess it is. I mean, if we're th- talking about future and even if theory holds true that it's a prototype, then that will be a natural evolution of replicators. Like, and it's always been a big thing. Like, we can replicate almost everything and then they need certain parts and they like, just can't just go replicate it. Why not? Yeah. But if I remember, like, it just takes a lot of reprocessed matter to replicate a ship. Well, it's sort of like it doesn't come without cost. I mean, obviously, yeah. they even explained in this episode when it's going on, you know, some of the ship systems are not going to be 100 percent. Right. So I, I felt they did a good job of explaining how that works, as well as, you know, just talking about how the uh replicators work in general this future with no money and seeing uh rock talk and and jingapog go in the the mess and grab them some food you know (laughs) and this this show again is kind of onboarding kids as well as new people to trek onto how trek works yeah and 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 they kind of explain that utopian future we talk about so much of having no money and and just the man rock talk had me sad when she <laughs> she ordered up the the slop that they used to get on on tars lamora man it's the only seal i ever tasted oh <laughs> hurt me hurt me oh man hey but didn't you like i just loved uh janeway's rendition of picard's uh intro Oh man! Well, Picard and TOS yeah. intro, but yeah, that that was good. Like, I yes. how can that like explains? <laughs> I mean, I know we're beating the dead horse. Everybody knows this, but does that not explain the Federation perfectly? Man, uh, <laughs> hologram Janeway was so wonderful in all this right. episode. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, and I know we're jumping all over the place, but man, like you know, like a fist pump. When she comes back, when he finally calls for help, she comes back and then she replicates herself a a holographic cup of coffee. (laughs) Yes, so freaking cool. So cool, man. That was awesome. I I love Janeway. You know, she's, she's, at first, she's there to 
you know, of course, Dow tries to act like he knows everything. And, you know, what is the Federation? What are we here for again? You know, it kind of brings up the question. And like you just mentioned, she goes into this whole spill of that. I just feel was beautiful where she's talking about what the Federation is, it, its qualities, its principles, uh, and just like a, a, a history of what the Federation is so far. I just thought it was just a wonderful job of, of explaining all that to everyone. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Like, I, again, I, it, it couldn't have been done better to. And especially if you think about it, I mean, try to put yourself back when you were like eight. Right. And you hear that, like it explains it perfectly in a way that you can understand. Eight year old mind could understand it. Yeah. And, and Rock Talk again, when she said equality, she's like, that sounds nice. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, so good. And I kind of wrote the spill down. I'm going to read it right here. Uh, the United Federations of Planets, an interstellar union of different worlds and species with shared principles of universal liberty, rights and equality. Starfleet is the Federation's representatives for deep space exploration on a mission to maintain peace and freedom, to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new civilizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. Just some up so freaking beautifully and and kate mcgrew just did a excellent job of, of delivering <laughs> those lines you know what i i kind of was you know just kind of pitter pattering around the webs uh just looking for different things about trick and i decided you know what i need to probably know like what is a protostar so do you know that answer i looked it up at one point but i do not remember it, Okay, so there's a couple of different definitions, uh, and one is a protostar is a very young star that is still gathering mass from its parent molecular cloud, and it's kind of an early evolution of forming a star or, you know, a low mass star. Hmm. And I just thought that was very symbolic of what's happening on this ship. Like yeah. it's a a gathering of a young crew that's still gathering what it needs to become what it's going to be, which obviously we're looking at becoming the crew of this advanced Starfleet ship. Like they're and they're basically the protostar of the protostar. Yeah. Wow. Wow, man. And it's just it. I think there's just so much room for this whole crew to grow. And I'll mention real quick and I want to talk about Dal and some of his decisions in this episode. But I mm. want to mention real quick the the hollow imagery during Janeway's explanation, there is one scene that shows a Discovery class ship. Uh, I'm calling it the Discovery class. I know you have the Discovery and the Glenn that had that style, but Discovery class, a Defiant class, uh, Intrepid class. There's a Voyager looking. I'm sure that was Voyager. It you, was. You had the uh, in, the old school Enterprise, and you had the Enterprise D as well. Yeah, I noticed that. I kind of I rewound it just to see if they left anything out, which I really. Like it pretty much covered the important ones anyway. Yeah. But question to you, does isn't the discovery classified? Why would she know? Maybe because she's a hologram. She knows about it. <laughs> well, I mean, how long did it stay classified? Right. That's true. Well, I mean, I assume it's still cr- classified by the time we get to TNG era, but maybe it isn't. I mean, and then who knows? Like at this point, maybe not. Yeah. Like, Mm. short of discovery, I think Voyager was the farthest out in the Trek timeline we go. And if this is set 10 years after that. Yeah. 
Now, I mean, we know we have Discovery go into the future and they're still classified in the future. But I mean, who knows if they're going to change that or not anyway. Or 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 maybe even the need to. And this is all filling in history after the fact, retconning history. But maybe the need to go and save the, the crew of, of the Voyager, the Voyager, to save the crew of the Voyager. Maybe they research some of Discovery and how it worked. Oh, yeah. good point. Again, going back to that spore drive. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, that would be interesting <laughs> if it is, but I don't know. I don't know. That'll be a little. But I mean, again, if we're man, we're throwing theories left and right. But like, you know, if we're if we're catering to the education and the scientific event, scientific mind advancement of a child. Like, what better way to throw out this? I mean, this spore drive is based on really close actual science. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. like mushroom spores and tardigrades and studied by a guy named Paul Stamets. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Like, really? Like, that's why not tie that in if you're trying to educate children on space and space travel and sci fi? Like, I would think it'll be a great idea. And then you could actually fix some plot holes maybe <laughs> yeah it's it's good stuff man i at, at this point i feel like nothing is off limits let's you know it, it do whatever it takes to tell a good story you know uh-huh. and of course there's always going to be cannon holes that have to be plugged even from the tng generation there were holes that had to be plugged so um yeah just tell a good story and 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 one thing i really want to know is the story of of dow so you have this new pretty ship and the possibilities are endless on where you can go. Janeway mentions the Alpha and then Beta Quadrant. You know, that's where the Federation lives. And he wants to go in the opposite direction. <laughs> and, and, Toward the red dot. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it seems like he has some issue with authority. And I'm, I'm wondering, and hopefully we get an explanation eventually, but like, what happened to him to A, well, to, to just ultimately hit him or put him on Tars Lamora and did he get burned? Like what did something happen to his family? I'm, it, it just seems like there's a story there. They're waiting to tell. I wish they would tell it. Cause he was irritating in this episode. And I know that was kind of the point, but I'm like, man, I know you're young and naive, but like, really? I, really? Well, the, the, the whole moral of the episode was knowing when to ask for help. You know, if you if you're gearing this toward a, a kid audience, yeah, I get, I guess, knowing when to accept help and knowing when you're not, you know, think you know everything and you can do it on your own. But to me, I just feel like he was running for he didn't want to go to the Federation because he had been burned for some reason and he well, just and feared I mean, authority. And he did say that he's like, you guys just don't know. I know it's anyone in authority lies to you and usually lie to you for their benefit, basically, is what he's saying. So, I mean, obviously that happened. And I mean, maybe his parents and the one ended up putting him in that situation to begin with. I would think that would be probably one of the only things that could jade him so much against authority. Yeah, because he doesn't seem like a criminal, like like that kind of disrespect authority. He's like he's just pretty much done with people telling him what to do and that's usually stems from parental yeah. oversight you know i don't know maybe i'm not a psychiatrist just. <laughs> but i will add like there were certain moments in this episode that he definitely had me giggling um i liked it when he saw the captain's quarters and saw how awesome it looked 
I thought that was pretty fantastic. And then he got caught. And he's like, oh, it's just really lumpy. <laughs> and the view is just too much of a view. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and the other part that I really loved is when he had uh, Gwen in the, the brig and he didn't know that she could hear him. And he's like, can't you hear me? <laughs> this is good stuff right there, man. I really loved it. Uh, but before let's 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 get into kind of I guess the the climax of the episode is when we get to this red dot or this binary system, and we have this white dwarf which is a dying star, and you had a red giant, um, active red giant on the in the same system, and it seemed as if the white dwarf was pulling or draining or was acting as a black hole of sorts. Before it eventually fades away into, I think a white dwarf turns to a dead star, dead planet, but it was pulling the, the energy from, from the red dwarf into its path, therefore causing chaos in that system. And then, of course, the protostar got caught in that. Um, any takeaways from this? I thought it was kind of cool to see it on screen, but you know, I, I think they just needed something in this episode to act as a reason for, for Dow to to trust Janeway. Yeah, I, I took it as that too. But I, I mean, again, I kind of also took it as a kind of another education lesson. I mean, the science from what I've read is not wrong the way she was describing. So, I mean, I'm sure there's some inconsistency somewhere, but the basic principle of a collapsing dwarf star, I mean, she had it. That's what she said. Uh, so, I mean, I kind of took it as like this was a great time to expose again, like you said, at the top of the show, expose a younger generation to science, uh, but also create a problem we needed in this filler episode. Yeah, 100 um, percent. Where do you think this story is going? I mean, we come out of a situation with um, a renewed sense of being being able to trust and ask for help from, from Doll and the crew. But but. We also get this scene with the Diviner cloaking his Chimerian ship and setting course for the Protostar. Did he cloak the ship or the planet? Oh, he cloaked. He cloaked the planet, right? Oh, he cloaked the planet. Yeah. You're which right. I thought was interesting. That is interesting. Hmm. And like the ship he has, like, why is he after this Protostar? That I, I don't know, but I kind of think it has something to do with that thing in the warp chamber. Or the warp in the uh, engineering. There we go. Back to that. And what is he mining? You know, hey, so wait, 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 wait. Oh, see, here we go. Theories again. <laughs> you remember I told you about the like when they were when he's talking to his progeny. I forget her name. Gwen. Uh, and she was like glowing and he was had like this glowing stuff. And you yeah. see when he was actually got into his whatever body armor or his body because he was actually in liquid. I don't know what he was in. He had like this tube running like glowing stuff into him. Hmm. And maybe this is the same glowing stuff that's in that chamber of the protostar. Maybe. I, I don't know. Just throwing it out. I like his ship looked pretty advanced and pretty powerful and pretty big. Like I don't see why he would need the protostar. Yeah. Agreed. 100% agreed. Uh, and I mean, if he has the technology to cloak a planet, there's not much technology on the protostar that he would need other than whatever experimental in that chamber. Un un unless the protostar can uh, travel long distances in very short time. 
Hmm. And I'm thinking that's going to be the thing that that he wants it for. Right. I don't know. It it just seems like it. it, I mean, the Protostar has to have some feature because usually these prototype ships have some type of feature, experimental feature that makes them advanced. And we I don't think we found out what the Protostar's feature is quite yet. Well, what if. uh, Hmm. Man, I'm just I'm full of theories. <laughs> I'll shut up after this. <clears throat> so we know that uh one is a mind reader, but like a corporeal, a non-corporeal entity, right? Yes. And zero. reads minds. Zero. Yeah, not a zero. One. Not one zero. Um that off coming I mean, that and she was contained in that little thing, like and it kind of glows. Yeah. And, you know, for Stamets to control the spore drive, he had to kind of link his mind to thoughts and, like, be able to control the, the navigate the mushroom network. That's true. That's so true. what if it's a bigger zero in this chamber? And that's hmm. why he was trying to get zero. Maybe. <laughs> oh, I'm just I'm stretching. I'm going to stop. <laughs> no, no, it's not a stretch, man. It's, t- it's definitely not a stretch because that's, that's kind of what I'm loving, especially... You mentioned it up top, but overlord decks where you can't really, there's nothing to theorize (laughs) about, you know? And we got this kid show here where we're like, he has our head spitting on on what the possibilities could be and the implications, not only for this show, but for just the Federation as a whole, you know? And again, they do it in less than 30 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, just wrapping things up overall, I I really did enjoy this episode. And the thing I found with this show so far is when I watch the episode again, I like it even more. And this happened like twice in a row from from the premiere and and this one as well. My second time watching it, it really I'm I'm really feeling it for some reason. The the only issue I have watching this is I'm watching it through Amazon. Uh And so and so I get ads. I'm not sure if you get ads. I'm sure you get ads as well. No, I don't. Okay, you don't. Well, I get ads and I can't skip them on Amazon. Well, they're all Nickelodeon ads. Oh, my God. (laughs) So I'm watching Power Ranger ads. (laughs) Are you watching on your browser? Uh, well, either way, if I do a storm, my streaming to my smart TV, or if I watch it on my phone or in browser, it all, it's all going to still show ads. Oh man. I'm sure I could pay for the higher package of Paramount plus and not get ads maybe, or maybe, I don't know. I don't I think know. it's only like $2 more or something. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. I mean, I, I can deal with it, but like other than like, so when I'm watching the show, like I never really think this is a kid's show. Then that's just kind of a credit to how well they put this show together until I get to the ads. <laughs> like, why am I seeing Ninja Turtles and Power Rangers? I mean, what's so, going on? Again, my wife walks in. <laughs> like, it's Saturday morning. I mean, what's going on here? And his Power Ranger toy commercials and Power Ranger ads. <laughs> that's hilarious. And then a cartoon comes on and she's like, what are you doing? <laughs> Let's be honest. It's not the weirdest thing she's walked in on you watching. Come on. So we're getting to ratings, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, one more thing. They did have an advertisement for Clifford the Big Red Dog, the like live action, and I'm excited about that. Dude, that looks terrible, man. Yeah, does it? It st- looks terrible. Man, that was one of my most favorite books as a child. Like, I love to watch it. I don't care how it looks. Oh, man. I saw the trailer when I was watching before Eternals, when I went to watch Eternals. It looks horrible. 
but it's Clifford, man. I didn't you want didn't you want a big red dog? Like I No, I didn't. <laughs> no, no, the girl asks, How big will he get? And then the dude was like, It just it, he'll get as big as you love him. She wakes up and he's bigger than the room. Like, what the, come on, man. Come on. It's, it's the moral, man. We're getting the same thing on Prodigy. It's a moral. <sighs> we digress. <laughs> I'm going to pay the extra $2. Uh, uh, ratings. Ratings. All <laughs> the ratings. Um, you go first. Oh, really? You're going to put that on me? Uh, let's see. I mean, I already know what I'm going to rate. Uh, my rating is I, I rated it back on, on Tasha's show, and I'm going to have the same rating. So I'll let you go first to see what you got. It's difficult, man. It's, it really is. Like, first episode was fives all across the board for all of us, and definitely a five for me. <sighs> I can't really come with a negative for this, but it wasn't like blow me away. Great. But that that's by no means a negative. So 4.75. Oh, wow. You went high. You went high. Interesting. Like, I can't really come with a negative. I don't. I mean, it wasn't a grand episode, but it was good. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I'm going to come in a little bit lower than that. I'm going to come in at a 4.2. Um, I really, for all the same reasons you gave it a 4.5, I'm giving it a 4.2. I'm just kind of trying to gauge these because, again, like we mentioned up top, it felt sort of like a filler in a way. Yeah, but I hate to drop the rating because it's a filler. It was still a good episode. It was really good. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, you know, I just said it, but man, if I didn't like this even more when I watched it again, man, it's it's. I just hope they keep it up. And unfortunately, we only have what we have eight of these this this yep. half. But they were renewed for a second season. Yeah, that's the news came out today. Yeah, uh, that it got renewed for another season. So eight this run and hopefully we'll get that next season here pretty soon. But I don't know if that's going to be possible because it looks like they put a lot of work in this visuals of this episode. So we'll see. Yeah, very much. I mean, even the. uh like the end credits if you watch those just the background visuals behind the credits like they're just showing all those space anomalies i guess you would call them and the intro to it at the intro credits the i mean all that that's a lot of animation a lot of animation yeah and and before we kind of end things here i want to ask real quick like what are you most excited for going forward for the show other than not being lower decks (laughs) We can't use a reductive <laughs> argument every time. To yes, we can. I deserve to. <laughs> Matt, like I said, I think I'm just most excited about how they're going to tie this, if they're going to tie it, to like Voyager. Like, that's what I'm excited to get to. Like, I, 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 I would be over the moon if they did a great tie in. And even a tie into multiple tricks. Like, I mean, we already throwing out spore drive and all that. Like if we can tie in Voyager and discovery yeah. and kind of bridge a gap, like uh, I would love to see it, man. I would love to see that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I'm, I'm excited for that as well. And just more exploration of what the protostar can do. Um, I, I'm really feeling this ship, man. I'll, although to me on the, the outside, the design looks almost too spacey or too, it, it's, it's pointy. different. 
It's too pointy. It is very pointy as well. It's just different. It's kind of different. But I do like it. And I really like the interior as well. Now that we've got a visual of it and how close it looks to Discovery's interior makes me really excited to see more of it. Well, you know, that was kind of the same complaints when Voyager premiered. People really didn't like the ship because it looked too (laughs) intrepid. Yeah, it's <laughs> very know, intrepid class. <laughs> very intrepid class. So, I mean, it'll grow on us, but it's no defiant for sure. Yeah. And and we're wrapping up here. But let me ask you real quick. Like, I, I haven't heard a lot of rumblings of how people like the new Discovery 32nd century ships. Are, are people feeling those or do they think they look like crap? <sighs> I mean, I hadn't really researched it a lot. The little bit I have looked at. People are having having issues with these uh, detached nacelles. Yeah, that, I think that's just the biggest problem. Like it's, it's not really the ship design, other than these detached nacelles. It's just hard to explain how and why. Mm. Yeah, even for me, it's it's kind of hard to get my head around it. Like it, it's almost too ambitious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, is is if there was if you could come up with a great purpose of why we had to do this then maybe it'll be a little more acceptable but at the exact moment like i can't come up with a good reason why yeah seemed like it was just structural integrity would (laughs) suffer greatly (laughs) (laughs) i was watching uh star wars today and it was the one where anakin was you know in that little speeder race yeah and pod race yeah pod race and you know the two engines on the pod are connected by this little beam of light (laughs) and like if that beam of light is interrupted the engine falls off and the and yeah. i immediately thought about detaching the sails <laughs> <laughs> we have devolved into the episode one pod races <laughs> all right guys well we're going to skip parting gifts for today and we're going to go right into trek trivia for this week we hadn't had one in a minute and we want to see what jonathan has for us today all right so i have some uh maybe low-hanging fruit for you uh oh! So that means if I get this wrong, I'm <laughs> to quit the podcast. <laughs> How dare you? It is it's just a possibility. Me. So I'm I'm going to ask you a question, and if you answer it correctly, I'm going to ask another and leave it there for next week. Uh, if you don't answer this question correctly, we'll just leave that one there for next week and oh ask Lord. the next one next week. So I'm so nervous. But they're both low hanging fruit. You got this, man. See, you got the fact this. that you said they're low hanging fruit just puts me on the spot here. <laughs> But, but go, please go ahead. Go, go, go ahead. Okay. <clears throat> uh, well, I'm trying to figure out how I want to word this. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to mess you up. Okay. What actor has been credited for the most presence in Trek? Most appearances or most present on screen time? Well, present on screen time will be appearances. Not necessarily. Well, well, yeah, I guess that's right. Appearances is the same actor or same character or different character? Same character. Uh, that's probably going to be uh, Michael Dorn. Um, well, maybe I shouldn't have said same. Well, yeah, yeah, it's going to be probably probably same character. Uh, yes. So Michael Dorn has actually had the most appeared in the most episode as far as actual screen time. But. There's another person that has been credited in more Trek than Michael Dorn. Credited in more Trek than Michael Dorn. You know this one. I think I know it. But we're going to leave it for next week. Oh, okay. So the question for next week is what actor 
has been credited for more appearances than Michael Dorn. Is that right? Well, I wouldn't say appearances. Yeah, that kind of gives it away. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's why I didn't want to say it. (laughs) Well, just answer the question. I'll come up with another one. (laughs) Mazer Barrett? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, just a little back history. Uh, Worf actually appeared. Now, he and he actually holds, because he's appeared as himself in at least 270 episodes and film. If you add holograms, illusions, mirror mirror versions, and stock footage, it boosts him up to about 276. The next nearest person to have that many appearances on screen time was Chief O'Brien Colmini at 211. But, you have to always bring in Majel Barrett, who voiced the Starfleet computer, whom appeared in virtually every episode of TNG, Voyager, DS9, and most of TOS. And she wasn't the voice of the computer. She was actually a nurse on TOS. So she was all nurse that- chapel and all, also Commander Una. Oh, the pilot. yeah. There you go. And she was uh, the uh, uh, doctor on TNG. Alexander Troy. Yeah, looks on Troy. There you go. Yeah. Not the doctor. Uh, so they're kind of they're giving her a roundabout count. It's on a it's a estimate around six hundred or more episodes she would have been credited in. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> pretty wow. good to not be a main person, right? Talk about them checks <laughs> just for some voice acting, right? Yeah, I wonder how many of those lines she re- she like pre recorded and they just kept reusing them. But there's some pretty specific stuff in a lot of those episodes where she has to answer, answer, excuse me, answer a specific question that right. you know that the crew asks. So that's pretty amazing. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a lot of trick to voice the computer on. I mean, I, like you said, I know a lot of it could be resampling or something, but there's a lot of original content in there. Oh yeah, the great Major Barry. Yes. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, uh, thanks for the trick trivia, John. Yes, sir. And with that, we'll go ahead and wrap things up. Guys, thanks for listening in on our review of Starstruck. And if you have any questions, please send that in to fans at DiscussingTrek.com via email or hit us up at DiscussingTrek on any and all social medias. We really appreciate you guys listening in. And and thanks again, John, for jumping on to talk about this episode. Not a problem. Enjoyed it. And until next time, guys, live long and prosper. Thanks for listening to the Discussing Trek podcast. For more information, go to DiscussingTrek.com slash subscribe. Adventure. Your traveling companions are fellow fans of Doctor Who. That's right, it's the podcast Discussing Who 
Exploring the worlds of Doctor Who, past, present, and future. Find out more at DiscussingWho.com. You've been listening to the Discussing Network. Find out more at DiscussingNetwork.com.